Hi, and welcome. I'm your host, Nicole Kane, and you're listening to the Home in Place podcast, where I translate theory to practice and create cross-discipline conversations about aging and the importance of place. I am so glad you're here. Today, I'm talking with Rhea Mader. Rhea is a holistic interior designer specializing in eco-friendly and evidence-based design for wellness. She's a lead green associate, certified living in place professional, and an award-winning senior living and hospitality interior designer. Rhea is also the host of Rhea's Haven, a podcast about green design, aging gracefully, philanthropy, slow living, and accessible design. Hi, Ria. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am just incredibly delighted to have you here. Well, Nicole, I am excited to talk to you again. I think we just kind of have this little like, um, I don't know, long lost friendship thing that we're like found each other. and We get all nerdy together. So it's kind of fun. We do. We do. <laughs> it's it's I feel very grateful to have found you too. Um, So we are going to be talking today about color and how color affects us as humans and how we can use this. And so understanding how it affects our body and our psyche and then how how we can really use it to to help us. Um, So I would love for you just to jump right in and let's talk about the human response to color. And what what is that? What what happens to us when we see different colors? Well, I think color is such a layered topic and it's very personal because we each have our own individual reactions and memories that might be triggered by a certain color. So one person might have a positive reaction or a love for red and I'm putting my hand up, but somebody else might have like anxiety and stress that comes from red. And, you know, so it's hard when we look at colors to make these broad generalizations about how we use them in environments. But there are tried and true color theories that apply. And when we think about that, it's maybe thinking of something like red being energetic, like I said before, or um, blue being soothing. But we look at all of those colors and how we imply that apply them to the environment. And since you and I are both professionals working with elders, I'd like to start off by talking about the importance of light, which is major in color and how that affects how we perceive and approach color for the aging eye, especially. Fantastic. When when you say light, do you mean interior lighting or natural lighting? Um, All of the above. So natural lighting, interior lighting, interior color of the lighting. So a lot of times, um, you know, when we think about like color theory too, you think about um, all I, we talked about this earlier and I think most people um, in a creative profession, especially like graphic design, sometimes interior design use this as a um, example. So you think of like McDonald's and their red and yellow branding. And so that is meant to speed up our body. So it's speeding us up because they want us to eat fast, get in, get out, you know? And then there's other companies like Subway, as an example, who is opposite. Um, They still use that yellow. So they still have that fast, quick factor, but then they also have green, which is more soothing and 
um, associated with um, more earthy, natural, good, nutritious food. So you think about things like that too. Wow, it's, it's so fascinating. So they're giving us clues as to what we can expect inside just by the colors of their branding. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so we can also do that in interiors. But um, what I was referring back to earlier and speaking of lighting in interior environments, and you think about, um, you know, a lot of the research that's coming out right now about um, what cell phones or you know, light from tablets, the blue lights and how it stimulates and kind of interrupts our circadian rhythms and how we go to sleep at night. So it's also focusing on things like that. So, um, there are a lot of, um, really cool things coming out with smart lamps, light bulbs and stuff like that, that, um, react to the natural rhythm of the day. And so you have, you know, warmer color temperatures coming from lights at night so that, it allows our body to go through that natural process and slow down and relax and, and start to prepare for sleep. Oh, I love it. I love it. So let's go back to red for a moment. Can you tell me more about the color red and what, um, what it does to our bodies? Okay. So red is a stimulating color. And if you look at research, it's, it does things like raises your blood pressure. There was a really cool study that was done. Um, and this was actually in, I think the 1971 or 1977, somewhere around there where they did this experiment and they had one red room and one blue room. And when I say red, I'm like pretty monochromatic red and then one monochromatic blue room. And some people's reactions to being in this red room were they started sweating, they would get headaches, like it w- it could be intense. And that was the, for the majority of the people participating in the study. Some people actually had the opposite reaction where they were like, oh, I feel so energized. And, you know, they're like, I'm ready to go do something and, you know, had this really positive reaction. But for the majority of people, if you're in a really intense, monochromatic, all red room, it will heat up your body systems. It will activate, you know, raise your blood pressure. And so that's like, you know, what the human body is responding to in that sweating and stress and headaches. And then people in the blue room had the opposite where they would feel like soothed, relaxed, calmed. But at the same time, too much blue is too much blue because that could also some people were like, this feels cold. It feels depressing. And so that's another thing we have to take into consideration in the built environment is that we don't want monochromatic because that becomes boring, monotonous. And, you know, I guess we lose our interest at the same time, too. That is so fascinating. (laughs) And I I think back, so my background is in occupational therapy and gerontology. And so I think back to my time in the rehab rooms when I was working as a traditional OT. And and I wonder if we had incorporated more red into the physical therapy treatment room where you are expected to work. That is not easy stuff. And then perhaps more of a blue into a calmer treatment room. There's like, there were massage rooms and, and things like that. If to to just like the um the logos for the 
the fast food restaurants to, you know what to expect when you go in there by seeing the colors and their logos, you kind of, your body knows what to expect when you go and step into the red or elements of red treatment room for the intense therapy versus the blue, which is, might be more relaxed. Fascinating. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, since you said that too, about treatment rooms, um, especially physical therapy where you do have that, there's that work element. And sometimes people may be experiencing fear going into that or anxiety because it could be painful, right? Yes. So, um, so I think it's, um, indigo is a color that is helpful in, when people have fear or anxiety in approaching a situation, it's helpful in calming, but also inducing um, that level of work that is associated with getting through a task like, you know, physical therapy, for example. Could you incorporate those two colors? I don't even know if they would look good together. Red, red and blue. <laughs> well, I'm from Kansas. And so like that would be all Jayhawk KU. All right. There we go. <laughs> well, then they do. They work. But <laughs> let's just say it's probably not the best for an environment like a PT room. I mean, you, so then you look at things like um, saturation, the vibrancy of a color. And so when we talk about red, you know, maybe it's not cherry red maybe it's like toned down or like a pinky mauvey red which you know isn't technically red but the same thing for blues like it doesn't have to be royal blue it could be a smoky blue but that's where you also get into a lot of um looking at how elders because that's how we work um how uh, visual impairments and how the aging eye sees color. So it's taking into account, you know, reduced pupil dilation, cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration. And so when you think about like the yellowing of the lens of the eye, one thing I do with, um, clients, which some, I don't do it with everyone. I do it when it's, when it's appropriate, but I have this yellow cell phone cellophane paper that I use to demonstrate the yelling of the eye. And so it happens so gradually that we don't even notice it. And so I'm 40 and sometimes I kind of wonder, okay, how much like true color am I actually seeing? So when my husband says, well, that looks gray. And I'm like, no, that looks green. It's like, who's wrong? (laughs) But I have this yellow cell phone cellophane paper and I think it helps to exaggerate the situation. So when I put together like a color board for maybe a living room or, um, I use this a lot in senior living facilities. So I could give two options for how this living room might look and it's fabric, paint, flooring, carpet, you know, all kinds of things. And I say, which one do you like? And sometimes people lean lean more towards like the blues and the greens that you would think are like soothing, calming, really appealing colors. But when I give them this yellow cellophane paper to look through and then they see that they're like, oh, it actually really mutes it and grays it down. And so that's stuff that we have to also consider for the aging environment, especially for senior living communities or people who age in ho- at home that, you know, they might look at a green, which let's just use like a seafoam green. 
And that might look um, really great to a 20 or 30 year old, but to someone who's 80, that might look like gray and blah. So that's where you also take into consideration the saturation and the vibrancy of colors. I love it. I love that you have that tool as well, not only for you to use, but also to be able to bring into the senior facilities for the people who are going to be paying the bills. Like this is why I'm deciding on these colors. This is why I chose this way. And then, and then it comes back to a higher contrast too, but not for rugs and flooring, which could look like a step if there is a high yes. contrast in the pattern on the floor, but higher contrast in the things that you need, the yes. dra- the drawer openers, the door openers, the light switches, even finding being, being able to find it really easily. Yes. I love that you pointed that out because that's important too. And, and talking about lighting and how all that plays into creating this really holistic view of the environment. So creating that contrast. And that goes back to where I said that monochromatic room can create boring monotony, but it also can be somewhat dangerous and fearful for people who have vision impairments in these senior communities because they might not be able to tell. Like one of the things that has been popular, more of like a fad or a trend is these all white environments. And so for someone who has vision impairments and aging eye, walking into a room that is all beige, all brown, all white, all red, whatever it is, they don't have the differentiation to see where does the wall end and where, or where does the floor end and where does the wall start? And like you said, for like glaucoma is a, um, a good example or sorry, macular degeneration where they start to lose that center vision. And so they could look at, um, well, one of the things that's really popular too is hospitality, like hotel environments in senior living. And so you might see some of these, you know, big pattern carpets, maybe with like a flower or some big kind of decorative thing on the floor. Well, somebody with macular degeneration might see that as a whole. And then they're like, oh my gosh. And so that's where you use color as like high contrast in that situation of like a massive pattern on the floor is not a good idea, but, but contrast from the wall to the floor is great. So it's, it's a huge, (laughs) huge, huge topic. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then another thing is glare. This is something, yeah, that, that is a big deal for some people and for other people who have a, kind of typical site it's we don't really register it but glare on the floors especially can be a big big deal and also even glare off of um maybe if we're going to talk about glare off of your faucet in the kitchen for yeah. example um so having those matte finishes but also the the flooring surface especially if you're designing places for seniors being really really careful about the glare because that can impact impact someone's ability to get around right All right, let's bring it back to color again. I want to talk about red again. I'm hooked on red today for some reason. (laughs) And so let's uh, bring it back to color and appetite. Can you tell me what red does to our appetites? Okay, so there's um, in the research, they say like there's a difference between hunger and appetite. So red 
is associated with appetite and not necessarily hunger. So the difference being like hunger is what you feel when your like stomach is empty and you're like, I need to eat something. And appetite is that desire to eat something. So red creates the in however it registers in our brain, it creates that desire, that appetite. So it increases our thought that we need to eat. So if you think about maybe somebody um, in an older older population that maybe, you know, they lose their appetite as we age. Um, so if you want them to maybe eat more, you could use red in certain situations. And I know we talked about this before and you have a funny story to tell, but, um, using like red, red placemats or so like, also I say that because I don't want you to think like you have to go and paint your whole entire dining room red so that you're, you know, your appetite is stimulated, but you can use little things like red placemats to stimulate appetite. Yeah. So we, we talked about this before and I decided to experiment on my five-year-old <laughs> because why not? And so he's, he, he's a, I don't know, picky eater. He's, he's got, he's five. And so he likes, you know, mac and cheese and stuff like that. And so to try to get a little more fruit into him, I did an experiment and I put, um, I had a red bowl and a blue bowl and I put uh, grapes in and he ate all the grapes from the red bowl and not the blue bowl. And so I've been, um, and then the other thing I realized too, is that this kid eats nonstop during the holidays. And I thought, well, maybe it's because, you know, we're a little home a little more, we're doing all the holiday cooking, which is delicious. I don't, I don't think so. We use red placemats at the holiday times and then we put them away with all the Christmas stuff when we pack that away in January and we have tan placemats for the rest of the year. And so I'm thinking, okay, how can I incorporate more decorations on the table, not to make it clutter, but, but maybe bring out placemats that are red and these are just going to be our normal everyday placemats to try to stimulate this kid's appetite and so I love that you mentioned this and I've um so I encourage people to experiment on your own children I think it's yeah absolutely fascinating <laughs> definitely use your kids <laughs> for experimentation <laughs> you know and as to that point too you think about like muted colors so what they say is um especially in terms of appetite since that was what we're talking about um like avoiding muted colors because that's not typically what we see in fruit and nature or vegetables in nature. And, you know, you don't really see like a muted gray down green, um, uh, pepper. Like if you do, you probably don't want to eat it. So, right. so. Oh, interesting. So yeah. kind of mimicking the colors in nature. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Which I, that's something that I'm really passionate about too, is like bringing nature into our environments. And, you know, so when I think about color, I think about how can we bring, um, and this is really cool too, because it's, um, it gets individualized to your location and where you're at and what are your surroundings. So, you know, maybe for me in Kansas, um, wheat field might be a inspiration for some color that I bring into my environment or, um, you know, we're, we're big farm communities. So you might pick out some colors to use as accents like the red, um, or blue or green for implements that farmers are using, or, you know, there's, I think there's all kinds of ways to find, um, inspiration for, for how we bring color into our environments. I love it. I love it. 
I think you look too at nature and this is something that I think about. So, you know, red for some people love it or hate it. And you look at nature and red isn't a predominant color that you see outside. So if you think about, um, maybe like a cardinal as an example, and a cardinal is red because it's like attracting a mate and it's like that rare thing in nature, just like a rose maybe. So you think about something like that and how you bring it into your environment and you look outside and you're like green grass, um, you know, maybe yellow, yellows from prairie grass or blues in the sky, white clouds. And you just look at all that stuff and you're like, okay, well, how can I bring this into my environment to help me heal? But also, you know, using like we've been talking about just those little pieces like the cardinal of the red and put that on my table and, and using that psychology to stimulate my environment or my appetite. And so you just really look at that as in a whole big picture and think, how can I bring this into my environment to make it feel like nature, but also to use this psychology to help me. I love it so much. You've given me so much to think about. This has been a fantastic conversation. Rhea, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Rhea Mader is a holistic interior designer specializing in eco-friendly and evidence-based design for wellness. Learn more about Rhea or reach out to her on her website, tumbleweed-interiors.com. She's also on Instagram on Rhea's Haven Podcast and also Tumbleweed Interiors. And I had so much fun talking with Rhea. We're actually doing a mini episode with Rhea that you're going to be able to find on the website, homeandplacepodcast.com, where we're going to go through a rapid fire conversation about all of the colors and how they affect our bodies. So we're going to dig into blues and greens and grays and whites and yellows. So look for that on the website, homeandplacepodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Home and Place Podcast. You can find links to the items we discussed on the website, homeandplacepodcast.com. If you have show ideas, I'd love to hear them. Reach out on my website or social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Home and Place. I'm your host, Nicole Kane. I'm the owner of Home and Place Project, Rethinking the Built Environment. I'm a universal design strategist working with homeowners, cities, and corporations. With a background in occupational therapy and environmental gerontology and training as a certified aging in place specialist, I help homeowners, researchers, and corporations go beyond ADA to create beautiful and inclusive environments. To connect, collaborate, or just find out more about me and my work, visit my website, homeandplaceproject.com. Special thanks to the Audio Information Network of Colorado for broadcasting this episode to their radio listeners. Learn more about them at aincolorado.org. And finally, thank you to Delia Potts of Northfield, Minnesota for composing and performing this original music. Take us home, Delia. Delia.